a beautiful fall time morning. Hallelujah. Can you hear me? I may need a little more volume there, boys. I don't know if they can hear me. All right. Very good. Well, as you can tell, we have a wonderful jam-packed service today. Uh, we are just fitting a whole lot of awesome ministry into one day here. We're going to be honoring our veterans today. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to be baptizing 20, 22 people. I don't even know how many, so that's awesome. Amen. Amen. And so it's just going to be a great service, and we're looking forward to everything that the Lord has in store today. But let's go ahead and open up, uh, just like we always do, by speaking some words of faith over the United States. Let's stand up together today. Hallelujah. We're going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. And that we're standing with Israel. Israel, uh, just like the Bible tells us to, and uh, we're going to be on the right side of things. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and do a little meet and greet time. We like to make sure everybody gets a little love. So let's go around and give some high fives, handshakes, fist bumps, some great big hugs. Let's make sure everybody gets a little love today. Let's go. Welcome here. 
can see today. So you may have to sit right up next to somebody, but that's not going to hurt you, is it? So you make it nice and tight and uh, we'll be a nice tight-knit family today. Amen. Like we said last week, we are looking at purchasing more chairs because we are running out. So uh, we want to make sure that we do that. Uh, we're working on that. So amen. That's a good problem to have, right? You need more chairs. I love that. So, all right. Well, uh, today is a very special day for a whole lot of reasons, but uh, we want to honor today all of our veterans and those that have served our country, the United States of America. Amen. And you know, we, we are familiar with this saying, it is the land of the free because of the brave. And we never, ever, ever want to overlook uh, the, the sacrifice and the commitment that it's taken to get our country here. And you know, I, I've traveled, I've been to a lot of other nations, and I can tell you this much, uh, undeniably, that we live in a very blessed place. A lot of people badmouth it and say a lot of bad things, but I'm telling you today, you don't want to trade places. I, I've been there and we are blessed and it's because of God Almighty and it's because of the brave men and women that have fought to keep this place what it is. Amen. And so uh, today we want to have anybody here, please don't be shy, anybody that has served in the United States military, we want you to stand up and come forward this morning. We have a gift for you and we want to honor you today. So could any of our men and women uh, that have served or are currently serving, and I, I know who you are, I could call you out, but let's go ahead and start coming forward this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, gentlemen. Walter, Cletus, come on up, guys. <laughs> Amen. Dylan, come on up. We need you guys. We want to honor you for your service, Mario, Carl. Amen. Hallelujah. Robert Valdez. Amen. I know there's more of you. Come on up, guys. <laughs> and women. Thank you. Thank you very much. How blessed are we to have these in our midst today. Amen. Anybody else that has served in our military? Amen. We got one more back here, sir. Come on up. All right. Very good. We are so blessed and we want to honor these guys and thank them for uh, their sacrifice and dedication. And so we're going to ask each guy, uh, you know, their name and where they, what, what branch of the military they served in. And just tell us a little bit and then we'll want to honor you. Amen. Hi. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Dylan. Dylan Johnson, United States Navy. Amen. All right. Thank you, Dylan. Come, Chris. Um, U.S. Army, 15 years, still serving. Amen. All right. Mario Romero, U.S. Army, 15 years. 15 years. Hallelujah. Amen. Robert Valdez, U.S. Army, almost 27 years. 27 years. <laughs> Colin Moore, uh, U.S. Army Infantry, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, Walter, uh, 10 years U.S. Army. Amen. I'm Carl, U.S. Army veteran, U.S. Navy retired. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. Do we have any of our... Raul, let's get Raul up here. He just came in. We love Raul. Straight to the front, brother. Straight to the front. <laughs> 
Amen. We love Raul, and I'll let him uh, tell us uh, where, what branch he served in and for how long. Amen. Uh, U.S. Army, nine years. Nine years. Well, thank you, Raul. All right. Let's hear it for our veterans one more time, everybody. Let's give them a... Come on. They deserve it. Yeah. Hallelujah. We thank you guys for your service. We honor you. Let's say a prayer over them while they're up here today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for these men right here, Lord, that they've served in the United States military, Lord, but they also serve in the army of the Lord. And Lord, I pray for your blessing on their lives, Lord, uh, those that are still serving, that your protection is upon them. And Lord, those that have uh, completed their assignment already in the military, that the blessing of God is upon their life, Lord, and that they are just able to, to finish out strong, Lord, whatever your next assignment is in their life, we bless them and thank them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's hear it for them one more time, guys. Hallelujah. You gentlemen may be seated. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into some announcements today. Uh, we are getting into the most exciting time of year, the holiday season, and uh, we can't wait. So I'll let Pastor Katie fill you in on all the uh, current events of High Desert Word Center. Obviously not this week, but next week is our church family Thanksgiving. It's a big, big deal around here. It's a big, big deal. I still have no official news yet on how we're going to actually make that happen in this building. Because, you know, Pastor Dave in logistics, he's waiting to hear from Jesus. And Robert and I are waiting to hear from him. We've Praise got a God. plan. They're we'll figure fit. it out. It's, it's gonna There's going to be food. You're going to be here. We're going to be here. It's going to be a great time. If you haven't signed up yet to bring a dish or to be a part of that, um, there is a sign-up sheet at the information booth. We do ask that whatever you bring, bring it in disposable things so that we don't have to try to figure out how to get all your dishes back. And if you're bringing a turkey or a ham or a roast or what have you, please would you cook it and cut it. Don't deliver it to us frozen because then we just pray over it and put it back in the fridge. We don't know what to do with it at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. You know what I mean? Anyway, praise God. Also, after that is the Christmas came early party. That's Sunday the 26th. It's so much fun. Okay. Leah's back there yelling. Woo woo. Um, the Family Life Ministry puts on a big Sunday night service party for us. And there's a gift exchange and cookie exchange. So your family is going to bring a dozen cookies. And then for any kids under youth group, so fifth grade on down, they'll bring a $1 gift for the gift exchange. Or if they're older than that and you, you'll bring a $5 gift. Not required for you to come to bring a gift, but if you bring a gift, then you get to do things like steal from Leah at church, you know, like during the gift exchange. It is rather funny. There, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, um, but Leah and Heidi, there was like some interference that had to be run and some prayer. Amen. People get a little competitive. It's a great time though. Okay. It's a great time. So that is Sunday night, the 26th at 6 p.m. That will be in place of our Sunday night service. And after the Thanksgiving service, there's no Sunday night service. So we love you, but we presume that with all that food, you'll go home and nap. Anyway, speaking of food, 
uh, enriched food pantry at Midtown is doing turkey on the table. Yes. They are in need of canned yams, pumpkin, cranberry, evaporated milk, and boxed potatoes. Yes. So any of that that you go purchasing, bring it to the information booth and we will deliver it to them. If it's during the week, call the church office. You can deliver it there as well and we'll take that to them also. So don't forget to bring those food donations here. And there are some blessing bags from Enriched that you can take out into the community. So if you haven't done that yet, it is a joy and a privilege to be able to go do that and to pray with someone. So make sure you grab one of those white gift bags at the information booth to take out into our community. There is also behind the ushers at the information booth, a really tall, big wrapped Christmas box. That is the toy drive for Greater Hope Foundation, the foster agency here in town. And we bring Christmas gifts for them. So I got stopped by Sam, my youngest the other day. And he said, mom, you know that thing we're doing where we buy toys for other people? I said, yeah, I think so. Like we do that every year. What thing? Because I had forgotten about it. And he said, I want to buy them a toy. So make sure to have a conversation with your kids because it's an amazing way to make sure that the focus of Christmas is not on themselves. That's right. It is an opportunity for them to pray over a gift and to give to someone else. And it's a great opportunity for us as a church to bless kids in our community as well. So that being said, and speaking of kids, there's some more kids stuff going on. We are doing a Christmas play this year. However, (laughs) not every kid has to be involved. That was something that we were asked by some of the kids, like, do I have to? Um, Some of them want to, and then there's some of them that don't want to. All of them are going to sing songs together, but if they don't want to be a part of the Christmas play, that's okay. And there's enough of them at this point, that's really okay. There's a lot of them. Wednesday night, we had 140-something people, and 70 of that was minors. Yeah, It's crawling with children here. It's wonderful. Anyway, so the Christmas play, there is going to be an informational meeting tonight in Victory at 5 o'clock. So kindergarten through 12th grade is welcome to participate in that. Kindergarten through 12th, they're meeting at 5 o'clock in Victory Hall this evening. The dates for practices were sent out on the parent letter. If you have not received a parent letter by email, please stop by the registration table, the children's registration table before you leave and leave your name, number, and email there. We'll make sure to get that to you as well. We have had so many kids today that we have combined some because nursery had too many three and four year olds so the three and four year olds are now in this classroom with the preschoolers so we need for you as parents to help us we don't have a changing table over here we only have a bathroom so if you have a three or four year old and you see your number on the screen it may simply be that we need you to help us change a diaper because there's too many of them today. (laughs) So we're working on it and we're working on expanding. Keep praying for our children's wing. And if you are interested in any way in being a part of our children's ministry, please stop by the info booth and grab a helps application as well. Amen. And last but not least, The children's classes are going to come in for baptisms, which is why this front row is reserved. So just a heads up, when you go to the restroom during service, you want to go through the back 
and around and not across the front because especially for baptisms today, this whole area is going to be full of kids. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that was a lot of announcements. That's hey. a lot of announcements. <laughs> Amen. Yep. Oh, and our children's director who won the candy competition, but you know, I stomped my foot and I whined and I cried and I still lost, but we won the change war. Okay. There okay. Go. Yeah. We won the change war. So anyway, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, everybody's having a pizza party. So it'll be a good time. Today, though, because all your kids will be right here, except for nursery classes, you're going to pick up your kids right here. Make sure you have your sticker. Okay, those stickers are very, very important. If you're going to trade off with another family member, um, you know, like a someone 16 and over, if you're going to trade off to have them come pick up your kid, make sure they have the sticker. Okay, there's just a lot of us now, and not all the children's teachers know all of us. We want our kids to be safe, and we want them to go to the right place. Amen. So please make sure you have your sticker. There okay, you and you're going to pick up here today, unless you have a nursery kid who's upstairs. Amen. All right, well, we are getting ready to get into our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Uh, but as I said earlier, today is a special day, and we're going to be doing a special offering this morning for a very special couple that has been married for for 41 years. Amen. Wow. Look at that. Come on. Look at that handsome guy right there. Yeah. So this is uh, my mom and dad, Pastor and Mrs. Pastor. Uh, this is their 41st anniversary this month. It's going to be on November 27th. And uh, and just as a way of celebrating them and thanking them for, uh, for their, of course, their marriage, but their dedication to the ministry, to Jesus, and to this church, uh, we want to thank them this morning and bless them for their anniversary. And also it's, uh, it's to help them out and bless them with Christmas. And so uh, Pastor Katie's going to share a couple of verses that uh, we think are appropriate for this. But if you need an envelope to give into this offering, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. And if you want to give online into this, you can uh, on online hdwc.org slash giving. If you're going online, you can select the tab that says guest speaker and we'll kind of, uh, we'll allocate that towards them from there. But I got to say, I'm glad that they ended up getting married because... I wouldn't be here. So, you know, I'm, uh, you know, it, it worked out really good for me. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it worked out for me. So anyway, praise God. I'm going to let Pastor Katie share a couple of verses. And here in a minute, Mrs. Pastor will do the regular tithes and offerings today. Amen. Well, I need to share with you that these are my pastors as well as my mom and dad. So in these moments, we not only congratulate them on their anniversary, but we honor them for what they've done as spiritual parents in our lives. And in my life, they've made a huge, massive difference. Yeah. When Pastor Dave and I met at 17, 18 years old, I would avoid meeting them because the Holy Spirit had, Pastor Dave shared a story with me that the Holy Spirit had tattled on his little brother. And I thought, I'm not going to meet him because I don't know what he's going to tell him about me. So one night, Pastor Dave drags me in to their living room and they are in matching robes with their reading glasses on and their giant Bible sitting in their lap. And I went, people actually live like this. And they really do. They really, really do. So 
Can I share with you in Galatians 6 today, in verse 6, it says, Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. And don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. I need you to know that they have taught me the word of God. That they have raised me in faith. And I know that they have done the same for you. So when we honor them in this way, it honestly has nothing to do with the money. It has everything to do with what they have planted in our lives. And as you give your offering to them today, would you just pray over it that they would harvest what they have planted in each of us? So as we honor them today, whether you write a note on that envelope to them or whether you're sowing it as seed for your own life, just make sure that as you're giving that offering, that you're bringing it to the altar of the Lord to thank God for the man and woman of God that he placed in your life to grow you and to lead you. Amen. Amen. Let's hear it for Pastor and Mrs. P. Amen. Mom and Dad, we appreciate them so much. And, you know, they the years and, yeah, it's okay. Give them a standing up. We do that, yeah. Amen. The years of faithfulness and dedication uh, and the sticking with it when it was not easy. We're so glad and we can see that it's paid off. So we love them so much. Amen. All right. I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor come on up right now. And in just a second, we're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. But before we do that, as she's making her way up, um, if you, we're going to go ahead and welcome anybody that's with us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time today. So we have a gift for you. If this is your first time or your first time in a while, we have a welcome gift for you. Could you slip your hand up real quick and our welcome team wants to give you that. All right. We got every in each section here. So they're coming to you. Just leave your hand up. Uh, there's an information card in there. If you would fill that card out and at the end of the service, take it to the info booth. Uh, they have a gift card for you to Dutch Brothers and a coffee cup. And they just want to thank you for being with us today for the first time. So can we hear it for all of our visitors, our first timers today? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, Mrs. Pastor is going to go ahead and do our regular Sunday morning tithes and offerings now. If you need an envelope for that, raise your hand, and in just a minute, we'll bring all of those forward. Amen. Good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for blessing Pastor and I today. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Okay, so Pastor Dave said, keep it short and sweet, Mom. I said, okay, because we got a lot to do today, so we're going to do this short and sweet. So look at Malachi. Uh, chapter three, verse 10, the first part, you ready for this? The Lord says, bring, and you know, if you, uh, understand English at all, you is the undist- uh, uh, un- unwritten subject of the sentence. So it should be, you bring all the ties into the storehouse. So that's what the Lord tells us to do, right? You bring all the ties into the storehouse. And then in Hebrews chapter seven, verse eight, This is what happens with those tithes. Here on earth, mortal men, meaning pastors, receive tithes. But there, Jesus receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Amen. So praise the Lord. So we want to have the right and proper mental attitude and spiritual attitude about being tithers into the kingdom of God. And uh, as Pastor always says, as soon as we get our, our paycheck, 
first thing we do is write out the tithe. He walks over to me. We lay hands on it and we pray over it. So you need to be doing that as well. A wonderful thing about being a tither is, if you read farther down in that verse in Malachi, it says, if you're a tither, God rebukes the devourer for your sake. So if Satan's trying to sneak into your life, steal your health, steal your money, steal your family, steal your whatever, if you're tithers, you can say, devil, stop. God himself will rebuke you because I'm a tither. Amen. And you can take that to the Holy Ghost Bank. All right. Well, let's stand up and we'll say our financial faith confession. Then you can come on up and... Bring your tithes and your offerings and stay up here for worship. Amen. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs Uh, or better better jobs, jobs. promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, Royalties received, blessings, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for bringing all my financial needs. I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Jew and with all my soul, I lift you up. And with all my heart, I lift you up. And with all my soul, I lift you up. And with all my heart, I lift you up. And with all my soul, I lift you up. And with all my soul, I lift you up. And with all my soul, I lift you up. And with all my soul
looking forward to that day, Lord, when we get to see you face to face, Lord, when we get to bow down at your feet in heaven, Lord, with the great multitude of people, Lord, of every nation, tribe, and tongue, Lord, and we will be bowing down at your feet and singing praise to the King of Kings, Jesus. Lord, until that day gets here, we're going to sing like we, we're going to sing, Lord, the best that we can. We're going to praise you and worship you the best we can here on earth, Lord. But we look forward to that day in heaven. Praise to the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There is nobody like you. You are the King of all kings. You are the Lord of all lords. You are the name that is above all names. And we praise you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. We ask you to have your way in this service, Lord. Do what only you can do, Jesus. And anybody that's came in with a burden today, anybody that's that's brought in uh, any troubles or cares or anxieties, Lord, we choose to lay those at the feet of you today, Lord, and just let you minister to us and change us for your glory. We praise your holy name. Have your way in this service in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you can make your way to your seats this morning. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be together in the house of the Lord on this wonderful, beautiful Sunday morning? Praise God. Amen. Well, we're going to be getting into the word here today. Uh, like we said, it's a very full service, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to be getting into the, to the word. And if you've been here over the last, uh, several weeks, really since the beginning of October, each week we've been doing, uh, kind of a different look at a, a different part of the end times, especially the book of Revelation. And it's been very interesting. And so I'll, I'll say, you know, it, it, I, I must have missed the class in Bible college about, you know, the right sermons to preach at the right time of year because nobody in their right mind preaches about this going into Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I don't know. We're just listening to what the Lord uh, is telling us to do here. And the truth of the matter, though, all joking aside, is we do live in a very serious, serious moment of world history. And, um, you know, if you've been here, we've discussed some of this. And if you haven't been here, well, you know, we'll catch up a little bit. But, you know, we, we've known for a long time that this is what the Bible refers to as the end times. And really the end times started after Jesus died and rose from the grave. That opened up, you know, this portion of uh, the church calendar, so to speak, this dispensation of grace. And we're coming to the very end of this, what the Bible would refer to as a dispensation. And, um, and it's a serious thing, you know. Uh, there's in the book of Acts, we got to see the Christians that got to see Jesus uh, ascend into heaven. And I believe very, very, very possibly we are the generation that will get to see Jesus Christ return uh, the same way that they saw him go up. It's a very serious thing. Amen. It's an exciting thing. And uh, and so why would we say all this? Well, really, it's, it's very easy in our American Western minds to just think that the whole world revolves around us and what we've got going on and our sports schedule and our politics. And that's cute. And, you know, I fall into that trap, too. But really, all of this really revolves around what's going on in a little tiny, tiny country 
country that's half the size of San Bernardino County called Israel. And, and, and so it's very interesting that if you were to look at uh, Ezekiel 38, Daniel chapter 9, it, it was prophesied thousands of years ago that right at the very end of the world, there would be some very specific nations that would be aligning themselves together and coming against the little tiny nation of Israel. And lo and behold, we're seeing all of those exact nations right now teaming up and coming against Israel. And so somebody could say, wow, what a coincidence. I mean, out of 250 nations in the world or whatever it is, these three or four are lining up right at the exact same time. What a coincidence. If you think that it's just a coincidence, man, seriously, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona that I'd love to sell you. Amen. And so (laughs) that's not a coincidence. It's the truth. And so Ezekiel 38 tells us that a nation called Persia, well, that was what it was called a few thousand years ago. In 2023, it's called Iran. And it it, it tells us that this, uh, this mighty nation to the distant north of Israel would team up and come at Israel. And well, lo and behold, that's Russia. And so if you have watched the news at all these last few weeks, Iran, Russia, and some other nations are joining up and saying, hey, we, we, you know, we don't like Israel. We hate them. And they're teaming up. And so all I'm saying, and, and, and I, I put this, uh, this label on all of it. I am not saying or guaranteeing that the rapture is going to happen in the next week, month, or year. I'm not guaranteeing that. But I'm also not guaranteeing that it won't happen in the next day, week, month, or year. We know this much. We're a whole lot closer than what we were. And the last 35 days have seemed to dial the knob forward to a whole other level. And I've said it, if you really see uh, Russia and Iran, and, and it also refers to a king of the East, China, who says that they want, in, uh, they want a piece of the action. Man, you see these guys come together and invade Israel. Uh, I, all I've said is like, look out people, because it is just a matter of time at that point. All right. We aren't fully there, but we're very close to being there. And so what I've been trying to do for the past 35 days is just get people's attention and warn everybody, quit messing around, get your life right with Jesus, because you don't know the exact moment that he's going to come back. Nobody does. But I'm telling you, all the pieces of the puzzle have really, really fallen into place. And all it's going to take is one more little thing, and true born-again Christians will be raptured out of this earth and will be in heaven. And that will instantly begin a seven-year period the Bible calls the tribulation. And it is going to be a very unbearable, terrible time on planet earth. And I, I promise you, you do not want to be here. And you know, if somebody that isn't a Christian that say, man, I don't like Christians. They annoy me. Listen, you're going to miss us when we're gone because we were holding this place together. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. Jesus said, amen. And when all of us, amen, I'm talking about you guys, you Christians, when we're out of here, this place is going to fall in to an absolute hell on earth. And it's going to be very, very bad. And so we're getting ready to get into the message. If you need an outline, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. Now, my goal out of everything that we've preached for the last four or five weeks 
It isn't to put, to scare Christians. Um, but I will say if you're not a Christian, uh, it should scare you, uh, because you want to be right with Jesus. And so we've looked at a few key things over the past few weeks. And specifically, we've looked at the rapture. That is an event the Bible describes, though it doesn't use the word rapture. Uh, it, it talks about a great catching away of the Christians or, or a, you know, a removal of the Christians. And so uh, we've talked about the rapture when that's the very, if you're looking at a calendar of events, if you've got an order, like I printed out an order for the service today for the ushers, we've got an order of events the next thing on that order of events is the rapture. All these other Bible prophecies have happened. The next thing that needs to take place is the Christians get sucked up out of here. And so that's next on the list. And none of us know when that's going to happen. It could happen really soon. And so we've talked about the rapture uh, in these services. And we've described the tribulation a few weeks ago. If you didn't catch that, you could go online and watch that. And uh, And last week we talked a little bit about some things you need to do to be prepared. And then this week, I'm going to talk a little bit of, about a couple of things, but really we've just titled this service Armageddon. And you're like, oh dear God, what are we getting ready to talk about? So let me explain. I know it sounds so, you know, again, everything that we're discussing, if your heart is right with Jesus, if you are in right standing with Jesus, if you are living for the Lord right now, you don't need to be afraid. In fact, the scripture tells us to Fear not over and over again. And so these things were written not to scare you, but to prepare you. And so if you're right with the Lord, I firmly believe that we will be raptured and taken out before a lot of these really bad things happen. We'll see what Jesus called birth pains happening, and we're seeing those already. But the tribulation period, I believe we've laid a very solid foundation for proof that Real Christians, again, I, I, I say it that way, and that may hurt somebody's feelings, but it's just the truth that there's some people that are fakers. And, and you're like, well, that's judgmental. Well, Jesus said you can judge a tree by its fruit. And just because you say you're a Christian, if the fruit of your life says otherwise, well, Jesus said you can judge it by its fruit. You can walk up to an orange tree and pick apples off of it. it it's an orange tree, right? And so as a Christian, you should be Bearing Christian fruit. Well, what's that? Well, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You should have these things on your life. If we can't walk up to you and say, ooh, this person has love, joy, peace, patience. Well, your fruit would say that you're not really living for the Lord. And that may sound mean, but I've just found out that babying everybody's feelings and, 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 you know, stroking your hair and, and telling you like, it's okay. Don't change anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's a dangerous thing. And I would be a really bad preacher if I told you to don't change anything about your life, to just keep doing what you're doing. I'd be bad. And I would answer to God for that. So I'm telling you, if there's things in your life that are against the Bible, my duty is to say, Hey, we need to address that and to fix that. Now, am I going to get up in your business and I don't do that? No, but I am saying, listen, I can't tell you that if you're living against the Bible, that everything's just okay, keep doing it. I would be wrong to do that. Okay. And so it's a serious time in our world. And so 
What we're going to look at today is some things that take place during the tribulation period, and we're going to look at the very last day of the tribulation period, the great tribulation, and that all ends in a battle called Armageddon. And who in here has ever heard the phrase Armageddon? And, you know, in our society, we throw that around all the time. Just And, you know, really, we use it uh, to describe a very bad event. You know, I, I've seen things where, man, maybe uh, something bad happens. Like, it's Armageddon. Or, or maybe, you know, uh, there's just a bunch going on. And I remember a few years ago, they closed down the 405 freeway for the whole weekend for construction. They nicknamed it Carmageddon. And I'm like, okay, guys, really? You know, <laughs> it was bad. But, it, but believe me, what we're getting ready to see... The 405 freeway being closed down wasn't as bad as what we're going to look at today. So we use that phrase kind of loosely, but it is a serious thing. And the word is in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at that today. So again, uh, we're going to look at some serious things. But my goal is for born again Christians. This isn't to, to make you nervous or afraid. This is just so you're educated on the Bible and you know what's coming down the pike, even though you're going to be in heaven for this stuff. Uh, but if somebody's not saved or, or you've got loved ones in your life, which I think all of us do, I've got family members, I've got friends that I care about that admittedly they, they're not right with God and they would tell you that. Um, all the things we're looking at is to show us the seriousness of the moment and to motivate you to share the gospel with people. Who knows that this is not the time to keep your mouth shut if you've got the answer that could save people's lives. Amen. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 says, the harvest is great, but the laborers, the workers are few. And Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the field. Well, I believe that we are workers that are supposed to go into the harvest field and tell people about Jesus. Who's willing to do a little bit of work for Jesus? All right. Yeah. All right, 40% of a Sunday morning crowd is ready to work for Jesus. Woo! Good for you guys, man. The rest of you, the water's in there. We'll baptize you as soon as this is over if you want. Amen. All right, let's get into this. I'm just going to talk about two things today because this is a busy, busy service. But okay, there's going to use a couple of big words here. Number one, okay, the abomination of desolation. What in the world? All right, well, I want to explain this. All right, the abomination of desolation. You're like, what on earth is this about? So today, again, as we're talking. This is probably the deepest level that we've, uh, d- d- as a church, d- taken a dive into together. I really, I'm going to aim to explain some things the Bible talks about and not bring confusion. Uh, but I do, as Christians, want us to, we should know our Bible. We should be educated. We should have some knowledge of the things that are coming. So, again, we're going to talk for the first part about what the scripture calls the abomination of desolation. So, The tribulation is a seven-year period that is defined by two three-and-a-half-year periods. According to the book of Daniel, it's two three-and-a-half-year periods. The first half of this seven years begins when Christians are raptured and then all hell will break loose on planet Earth. Why? The economies are going to collapse, especially places like America, when, I mean, millions and millions and millions of people are instantly out of here. Think about your job where you work at. You're going to be gone. Maybe a whole bunch of the workforce that you're at is going to be gone. They're not going 
going to know what to do. And so the economies are going to collapse. Uh, we know this much from scripture that crime will spiral to unheard of rates. Revelation said that a loaf of bread will cost somebody their whole day's wages. It's going to be unbearably hard to feed your family. It also describes the water getting poisoned and things like that. It's just going to be an absolute disaster. And you don't want to be here for this. But we know that people are going to be terrified and they're going to be searching for hope and they're going to be searching for answers. And guess what? The only people that had hope and answers, we got taken away. They hated us while we were here. Now they're going to wish that we were still here. And so there's going to be a man arise onto the scene that's going to seem like he has hope and like he has answers. And the Bible tells us this man is called the beast or the antichrist. And so at first, for the first part of this tribulation period, he's going to seem like he's a good man. He's going to, everybody's going to be like, okay, somebody has it together. We can trust this guy. He's got answers. He's, he's got hope. We can trust this guy. And so the Bible, it describes, uh, really all the world uniting for a while under his power. And so we would use a phrase, something like a one world government. And we also know, uh, from the book of Revelation, we looked at this two weeks ago, that, uh, there will be a, a one world currency that takes place. And you can kind of get a, I'm not saying this is it. I'm just saying you can get a glimpse of this type of thing from, for instance, the United Nations, you know, and you can think, oh, but now he's getting wacky on us. No, but you can see how aligning together and the United Nations hates Israel. Uh, and the, since 2015, they've had like 145 resolutions aimed at Israel and against the whole rest of the world. They've had like 40 and that includes against North Korea, Iran, the Taliban, all these guys. And now they've got, so anyway, so you can get a glimpse and you can see how this could possibly happen, right? How there could just be a a one world government. You can see in Europe, the, you know, the Euro where all these nations just kind of share the same. And so I'm not saying that is the antichrist or the mark of the beast. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you could see how it could happen, right? And so it tells us that there will be this one currency and it'll be the mark of the beast. And it said it'll be represented by a specific number, a number 666, which it tells us is the number of man. And it says that everybody on earth at this part of the tribulation will have to get his mark, either in their right hand or on their forehead. We speculate that this would maybe be some sort of a microchip. It's speculation. We don't know, but it it could be where you could just scan it for purchases. The government could, you know, tell who you are, what type of money you have, what you've been spending your money on. They could track you very, very well. And so, uh, again, this is kind of a speculation, but we do know the book of Revelation says nobody on earth will be allowed to buy anything unless they have this mark. It'll be the only way to buy or sell anything. And then it tells us anybody that receives this mark, they've denied Jesus and they have received the Antichrist and they've got no chance at heaven. They have to go to hell at that point. And that, again, this is all we've studied this two weeks ago uh, in our Sunday morning sermon series. And uh, it's a very serious thing because the pressure... On you. Imagine this. Imagine you're alive during this period. You can't buy anything. 
You've got, you know, a baby to feed. You've got a family to, you know, to take care of. You can't buy anything unless you receive this mark. The pressure on even the best person at that point will be very extreme. So what I'm telling you is you don't want to be here for this mess. You want to go to heaven on the first bus out of here. Who's with me? You want to go to heaven. Amen. I don't want to stick around for any of this stuff. So anyway, that's what's going to be taking place during the tribulation. And so there will be Christians on earth during the tribulation. These are going to be people who missed the rapture and either repented after all of us are gone, or there'll be people that got saved for the very first time during the tribulation period, because that will be possible. Here's the the catch to that. The majority of them will probably die a martyr's death. They probably have to die for their faith. Not all of them, but a whole lot of them. Let me show you here this morning. Revelation 7, 13 through 17. Revelation 7. Now, we have a lot of verses today. Most of them are in Revelation. So if, if I'm running late on time, I'll just have the guys throw it on the screen there. But Revelation 7, and we're going to pick up at verse 13. This references what we would call the mid-tribulation saints, uh, the, the tribulation saints, the people uh, that died during the tribulation and then got to go to heaven. And so John saw these people in his vision uh, when he wrote the book of Revelation. So Revelation 7, and we're going to look here at verse 13. All right, here we go. It says, Then one of the 24 elders asked me, Who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you're the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. And if you live in Barstow, you say, hallelujah, I don't want to be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. These people we just described have endured unbearable hell on earth. These people, I believe, they kept their faith all the way to the point of being murdered for it and never denounced Jesus Do we know how they died? I don't know. But we know that they were so faithful to Jesus, even to the point of whoever's in charge saying, deny him, deny him. Do you believe? And they said, yes, I believe in Jesus. I belong to Jesus. And they died for it. They got taken to heaven. And I believe that these are going to be some people that deserve a bit of applause in heaven. I believe that heaven is going to welcome these guys because they endured some torture to get up there. They're going to deserve some respect. And so here's, uh, again, I'm just trying to teach this morning. So how are people, how are so many people going to get saved during the tribulation period and go to heaven without churches around here, without 
pastors and, and preachers. Well, there will be some, but here's a few ways. One way is there will be Bibles left on earth. So some people will probably be able to at least read the Bible and figure out how to receive Jesus for themselves. But here's something I'm going to say. Uh, there's going to be two witnesses. Two witnesses that the Lord, and again, we're going to read something here that may sound like it's out of a science fiction book. The Bible is so cool. If you would just read the Bible and see some of the stuff that's in there, it would blow your mind. And so I'm going to show you this morning what the book of Revelation refers to as the two witnesses that the Lord uses to do some things. Let's look at Revelation 11. 3 through 6, Revelation 11, we're going to look at verses 3 through 6, and these are two witnesses, as the Bible calls them, that are left here on earth to do the work of the Lord. Revelation 11, verses 3 through 6, and it says, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap, and will prophesy during those 1260 days. Well, break it down. 1260 days is three and a half years. These two prophets are two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. Now check it out. Look at verse five. This is so cool. Verse five. If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. That's in the Bible. Well, we're reading the Bible right now. Yeah, that's in the Bible. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut the sky so no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have the power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. That's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. Amen. This is some wild stuff. And we're going to be in heaven, but this is going to be taking place down here. And so these two dudes are going to be some very powerful prophets for the Lord. Now, I'm not going to read all of it, but if you read the rest about the two prophets, at the end of that three and a half year period, they're going to be killed in the main street of Jerusalem. And their bodies will lie in the street for three and a half days. All the people that they tortured are going to be celebrating. Finally, those two pain in the necks are gone. But then after three and a half days, they're going to resurrect and they're going to actually ascend to heaven like Jesus did. It's all in there. Read it for yourself on your own time. And the world's going to be like, what is happening now? And and so it says that the whole world will witness this. And think about it. It was never really possible for the whole world to witness the same event together until our generation. We've got YouTube. We've got live stream. We've got everything. The entire world can witness the same event all at the same time. That could never happen before until this generation. We live in a real time. And I'm going to tell you about one other group of people. And it's the 144,000 Jewish preachers, Jewish evangelists. And these are a group of people. Well, let's, let's just look at it. Uh, chapter 7, verse 4. Chapter 7, verse 4. Are you still glad you came to church today? Or are you like, man, this is weird. All right. So, yeah, this isn't the type of thing we preach every Sunday. We get that. But this is, it's in the Bible. You need to know about it, even if you're not here on earth for it. Though some, you know, potentially could be. Uh, but this is something that's very, very serious that you need to know about. And so, Revelation chapter 7 
and verse four, and I'm, I'm just going to read one verse out of this, but it says, and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. And if you read the next several verses, it shows us that God raises up 12,000 preachers from each of the 12 tribes. So 12 times 12, 144 thousand uh, uh, preachers from the nation of Israel. And it tells us down there in verse nine that they lead a vast multitude to receiving Jesus. Now, these guys here, they're, they're sealed, it says, and they seem to be protected from all the disaster that takes place on planet Earth. But through these guys, God keeps reaching multitudes of people and especially the Jewish nation, the Jewish people to receive Jesus. All right. So that's a lot of information. Now I'm going to specifically address the abomination of desolation. And uh, again, you may say, well, what is all this? You guys need to know this stuff. You need to know what the Bible says about the end times. And so we're going to look over at Daniel chapter nine. Can we flip back there? Daniel nine. Now, it's clear from what Jesus told us in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, Luke 18 and 21, what Paul said in Second Thessal, uh, excuse me, Second uh, Timothy 3, and in First and Second Thessalonians, that there will be a lot of people that claimed the title of Christian and didn't really live for the Lord, and that's a dangerous place to live your life. There will be people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I celebrate Christmas and Easter. What else would I be? You know? Yeah. I like the benefits of heaven. I like the blessings that God provides. Well, just liking God's blessings, just saying that, yeah, I celebrate Christmas and Easter. That means I'm a Christian. I'm not, you know, something else. Listen, just because somebody says that doesn't mean they actually are one. I could say, yeah, I play in the NBA. I like basketball. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a pro baller. Well, first of all, you'd look at me and say, that's a lie. Uh, but after that, you know, the factual statement is, well, that's not true. Just because I like basketball doesn't mean that I am a professional basketball player. And just because somebody likes God's promises, just because somebody likes Jesus that doesn't mean they're actually living for him and have received him. And to sound very harsh, that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. You have to believe in your heart and say with your mouth, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. You've got to acknowledge Jesus on earth. And that's what I just told all the people getting baptized. I said, listen, guys, today is your day to publicly acknowledge Jesus Everybody needs a moment where they publicly in front of other people said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Well, why is that so important? Why, when we lead people to Jesus, do we have them come up and go talk to somebody in front of everybody else? Well, think about this. Everybody that Jesus ever called out in his public ministry, he did it in front of people. He did it publicly. Look it up. Everybody that Jesus said, hey, come follow me. It was always in front of others. He never took somebody to the back corner and said, hey, could you believe in me so you could go to heaven? Don't let anybody else know. This is just between me and you. No, your faith should be something that you're proud of, not something you're embarrassed of. Jesus said, if you're embarrassed of me, if you deny me in front of people, 
I'll straight deny you before my Father in heaven. Don't be embarrassed about being a Christian. It should be the most proud thing that you have in your life. Amen? Jesus claimed you as his own. You need to proudly claim Jesus. And so... Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Daniel prophesied a lot about the end times. We haven't looked much at what he said in our studies so far. I do want to show you this. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He's talking about the Antichrist here. He says, the ruler will make a treaty with the people, talking about Israel, for a period of one set of seven. We keep seeing this. A set of seven, seven years. But after half of this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all of his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration or an abomination of desolation until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. And so this set of seven refers to the tribulation. And so the Antichrist will seem to broker a peace treaty for Israel and all of its enemies. And then halfway through the treaty, three and a half years through, he's going to be like, psych, I actually hate you guys. And now I'm going to destroy you. And so this sets up, uh, let's just put this on the screen. You can turn there if you can go really quick. I'm going to put this on the screen. Matthew 24, looking at starting at verse 15. This is what Jesus referred to Daniel when he talked about this. Matthew 24, 15, this is during the tribulation. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel, the prophet, spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration or the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. This is a strange thing the Bible puts right here. I don't see this very often at all in scripture. But Matthew said, reader, pay attention to what we're getting ready to say. When you see the Antichrist do this, verse 16, then those in Judea must flee to the hills, run for your ever-loving life. I added that part. Verse 17, a person on the deck of a roof must not go down to the house to pack. A person in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. This is referring to the great tribulation. The first half of this seven years we call the tribulation. The second half is the great tribulation. It's tribulation 2.0 because now the Antichrist really begins to do what he wants to do. His true colors begin to show. So what is this abomination of desolation? What is this object that, that causes desecration in the holy place? Well, it's the Antichrist in the temple which I believe will be rebuilt really soon in Jerusalem, proclaiming to the whole world, hey, I am God. And then it gets real ugly really fast. Just put it on the screen. It's on your outline, though, so you can see it. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 4. It says, this talking about the Antichrist. 
He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. This is the absolute worst turning point in the history of the world. I swear, I promise you, you don't want to be here for this moment. You don't want to be here. If there's anything you can do at this point in your life right now, November of 2023, to get things right with God, you may have to let go of some things that you really liked. Well, guess what? If anybody told you, yeah, following Jesus is easy, man. You just say a prayer and keep doing what you were doing. I don't want to say this, but they lied to you. There is a sacrifice to following Jesus. He said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you aren't worthy to be one of mine. He said, he said, the, 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 the road to destruction is broad, but the way to life is narrow. It's a narrow road. There's some things that we do let go of and leave behind. But everything that we give up for Jesus, he replaces it with something so much better. So much better. But there is sacrifice involved. Amen? Amen. So, I want to look here now, because what we just saw is this turning point, going to the Great Tribulation, and now we're going to, this all leads up to an epic battle for the ages called the Battle of Armageddon. And I want to talk about Armageddon for a few minutes today. Who in here again, you've, you've heard this phrase, Armageddon. Maybe you saw the 1997 thriller with Bruce Willis, uh, star. Okay. <laughs> and I think that was who, I've never, I've never seen it, you know, don't, I'm <laughs> just being honest. But anyway, but, uh, so it's not a movie. It's an actual Bible event that takes place. And so the phrase, Armageddon, again, is used for a lot of things in this world, but the Bible is referring to what we call the second coming of Christ. And so this gets confusing because a lot of times we say the second coming and you think, oh, the second coming is the rapture. Well, theologically speaking, we refer to the second coming as this moment here where Jesus literally comes back from heaven steps foot on planet earth for the first time in a couple thousand years and jesus is literally back on earth the first time he came as a baby born in a manger in bethlehem the second time jesus comes back listen to me now he's not coming back as a soft sweet little baby Woo. he's coming back as a conquering Rambo Navy SEAL 10 million times warrior that's going to kick some butt. Can I say that at church? I don't, my bad, my bad. So I'm just telling you, the Jesus that comes in the second coming, I like soft, sweet, tender Jesus that makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. I love that Jesus. We drink coffee together every morning and read my Bible in my recliner upstairs in my bedroom. I love that Jesus. The Jesus that's coming out of heaven for this battle is 
a fierce warrior that we're getting ready to read about, and he is not messing around. I'm telling you that right now. So by the end of this seven-year period, the evil in the world will have reached its absolute climax. It'll have reached the breaking point. And so in Revelation 16, we can flip over there, Revelation 16, John sees, the apostle John sees seven angels. And, and again, this is all a vision, a revelation that he had. John sees seven angels that each have a bowl in their hand. And as each of them pours out their bowl, a different judgment hits the earth. And you can read all that on your own. I'm not going to look at the seven bowls today, but, but, uh, but it's, it's interesting to look at. And so, uh, for instance, one of them, an angel pours out the bowl that all the people on planet Earth break out with sores and boils on their skin. One of them, water is turned to blood as payback to all the evil people. And in fact, in verse 6 of chapter 16, God basically says, since you guys shed so much innocent blood, now you're going to have to drink blood as punishment. And I'm like, whoo, what happened to soft Jesus? <laughs> what happened to that? He's not, there's there's soft Jesus, and then there's ticked off Jesus. And uh, I, I'm going to stay on his good side. And I mean, nobody wants to hear this, but it's just the truth of the matter. And so when the sixth bowl, number six, is poured out, the Euphrates River completely dries up. And three demonic spirits go out and gather all the armies of the world together to fight against the Lord himself. And again, you read all this. I'm not making it up. It's all in there. I always encourage you to read it to make sure I'm not lying to you. It's all in there. But and when the sixth bowl is poured out, all these armies gather together with the Antichrist. Now, something very interesting is happening right now that I think is, you know, someone could say, that's just, uh, you know, peculiar. But look it up. Right now, the Euphrates River is crisis level drying up. I just read about it this week. It is so bad that, in fact, 60 million people rely on the Euphrates River. Uh, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, they all, this is where their main water source. Right now, November 12th, 2023, it is at such a crisis level that unless something drastically changes... By 2040, it's guaranteed to be 100% dry, not a drop of water left in it. And it's insane. And so I looked it up this week, and I was reading about it and and all this. And, you know, they're like, I know the Bible. <laughs> Some scientists were like, yes, the Bible said this. Trust us. This is not the Bible. It's climate change. It's because you guys use plastic straws and plastic bags. It's not the Bible. It's your plastic straws that all you crazies are using. And I'm like, well, first of all, Give me another straw. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. I'm kidding. Anyway, let's not, let's not open up that worm bucket. I don't want to get in a fight after church today for those of you that are obsessed with that. But what I'm saying is everything the Bible says, they always try to explain it in some way. And so the Euphrates River, as of right now, is on course to within whatever that is, uh, 17 years even if nothing else happened, to not have a drop of water left in it. And so I'm not saying that that's the sixth bowl being poured out, but I'm also not saying that it's not. Amen. And so let's dig into something here. You can excuse those that are getting up. They're just getting changed for baptism. I didn't offend them with my climate change comment. Okay. They're, they're good people. They're out of here. All right. I'm not making, I'm not making fun of it. Okay. All right. So 
Look at Revelation 16 and verse 16. Revelation 16, verse 16. Amen. And it tells us, And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name. What's the Hebrew name? Armageddon. It's the Hebrew name Armageddon. Well, where is Armageddon? Well, I'm going to explain that to you. Armageddon is a real place. Uh, it's in northern Israel. It's at a valley in Israel uh, at the base of Mount Megiddo. In fact, I'll show you a picture to show you exactly where this is going to take place. Go ahead, Blake. Throw that on the screen. This is modern day. This is currently uh, the valley of Megiddo, Armageddon. It's a rural agricultural farming area at this point. It's in northern Israel. But honest to God, what you're looking at right there is the place where the epic battle of Armageddon will take place at the end of the seven-year tribulation. And, you know, I look at that picture, and, you know, it just looks like a farming area, but I look at that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Jesus is going to be walking right there sometime, maybe not long from now, fighting against all these armies. It's uh, that's kind of surreal. That is kind of an interesting thing to think about when we can see it just like that. So let's go to Revelation 19. I'm going to begin winding down, but we're going to look at the battle of Armageddon. And so Revelation 19 is one of the most exciting passages in the Bible. It describes Jesus in a whole new light. You see Again, warrior conquering Jesus. Not little baby Jesus in the manger. This is Jesus that's going to do war with everybody that has messed with his family, that's messed, you know, with God's sons and daughters, everybody that's rejected and defied the Lord. A moment of reckoning is coming. And so, Revelation 19, Verses 11 through 21, Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. I love this description of Jesus. And so here is the battle of Armageddon. Let's read this together. John says, Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Who is the rider on the white horse? It is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head he wore many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. Guess what? 
I believe that we are in that army of heaven. Because all over the Bible and in Revelation, when it keeps referring to those that are clothed in white robes, clothed in white linen, it's consistently referring to those that were born again Christians. I believe that we are going to be in that army dressed in white, riding a white horse, following behind Jesus saying, it's battle time. Let's go. Amen. And so uh, verse 15, from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Someone should say amen today. Verse 17, then I saw an angel in, standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky. This sounds so hard, but it, it's just, it's Bible. The angel told the vultures, come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. Then I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, and the kings of the world, these people that defied God, that cursed God, that made fun of you for believing that there even is a God, this is their moment. All these kings and their armies, they gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And guess what? Verse 20, and the beast was captured and with him, the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshiped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed. Here it is. By the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures, ugh, they all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. Ugh. But listen, how does Jesus, this whole battle, it all ends in one strike. The one on the white horse, Jesus Christ, the sword comes out of his mouth and poof, obliterates everybody. It's all over. Well, you could probably look at that in a lot of ways, but I believe that this moment, Jesus, who is the word of God, speaks the word of God. Ephesians 6 tells us that the sword of the spirit is what? The word of God. I believe that the word speaks the word in such a powerful way out of his mouth that that's how powerful God Almighty is. It just takes one hit from Jesus, one strike of the sword, one moment of the word speaking the word, and he wins. Boom. The everlasting victory. It's all over in one fight, one moment. And people think the battle of Armageddon, 
You mean it's not a, a days long war of back and forth, good and evil? No, it's Jesus Christ coming down and in one strike defeating all of his enemies. And guess what? Again, I believe we're in that army. We're going to be there for this. We're going to see this moment. If we have things right with Jesus. And, you know, I've been hitting on this hard, but I'm going to tell you this much. In the past 30 days, we've had about 30 people in this church, even some on the internet, have said, you know what? I believe this. I believe the Bible. And I can't take any chances. I have to be right with God. And we're baptizing like 22 of them today because they're, they're being serious about this. Amen. So listen to me. Uh, if you're here today, we're going to start winding things down. I'm going to have Pastor Josh come up, but listen to me. I know we, we've looked at a lot today and you're like, what was all that? My head is spinning. Well, I wanted, I really didn't want that to be confusing, but I didn't want to educate you and give you knowledge on what's going to happen sometime here in the future, maybe soon, maybe a little later, none of us know. But listen, in your entire life, this is not the moment to have one foot in the world and one foot with God saying, I love the promises that God gives. I like it when he gives me money and peace and he heals me and makes me feel all better. But I really like this over here too. You can't play both. John said it this way. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. And that isn't, nobody wants to hear that, but it's the Bible. And, and the, the prophet Joel, I keep quoting this, but in Joel chapter three, the prophet Joel said, thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. But it's right there that the great and terrible day of the Lord will arrive. And so I am challenging you today. Listen, if you're saying, uh, I don't know, I, I, I'll, I'll get around to making a decision. Listen, you're just like, I don't know. You're in the valley of decision right now. And it's thousands, probably millions of people. They're going to be stuck in that moment. And that's when the day of the Lord's going to arrive. And then it's going to be all over. That's something to think about. Are you trying to scare us? If that's what it takes, be afraid. I, I don't care anymore. Because I see people that if this happened right now, they would not be ready. That stinking terrifies me because I do believe the Bible. Why? Because all the things that predicted and prophesied would happen have happened. Why would it be wrong about this stuff when it was right about everything else? It's not wrong. Even though that sounds dramatic, even though that sounds like spectacular and nearly unbelievable, whatever. You can sit there and say that if you want. I'm not risking it. I'm not going to risk that. I can't. And so I'm going to give us the opportunity today to get things right with God. And I am well aware. I already know this, that Jesus gave a story about a farmer sowing seed. Some fell on hard soil. Some fell on soil that had weeds and thorns. And, and, and then some of the seed that the farmer threw, it landed on good Soil, And Jesus said, well, the hard soil, that represents people that have hard hearts. The good soil, that represents people that had right hearts. They received what God said. And so I'm aware 
and I hate it, but I'm aware that every time I preach, every time I give an altar call to give you a chance to get saved, there are some people, there's always a percentage of people in the room that are too full of pride and they're too stinking stubborn to admit, you know what? I don't think that I'm fully there with God. I know that, but I'm also aware that there is a percentage of the room that will say, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what so-and-so says. I don't care what they think. I'm laying down my pride and I'm giving my life to Jesus today. So there are some of you here. I want us to stand up together today, amen. I want us to stand up together. Every single week, we've seen people coming in. We've got 27 or 28 people in our spiritual personal trainer program right now. I've got four or five couples getting married now that decided, you know what? Uh, we can't do what the Bible calls fornication anymore. We have to get married because 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6 and Galatians chapter 5 tells us, you know, fornicators and adulterers and, and it gives a whole list of people. They don't go to heaven. They don't inherit the kingdom of God. You are the meanest preacher we've ever heard. Call me what you want. I don't want people going to hell anymore. So there's that. But I'm encouraging you. We're preaching the word. And we're beginning to see the results. So I'm going to give you this chance today. We're going to say a prayer together today. This is very serious. You've never had a better moment in your life than you have right now. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with you. Some of you, you feel it. I can see it. You feel it on your face. You feel it in your heart. Jesus is standing at the door knocking. You're, you hear the knock. You hear the knock right now. Now is your moment. Are you going to open up and let him in? Or are you going to say, you know what? I need more time. Time is not on your side. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to say a prayer together. This is the best moment you will ever have. Let's pray this prayer together. Can you say this with me today? Father, in Jesus' name. Father. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you. Give me the strength. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Okay. Now listen up. This is very key. All right, Jose, come on up. This is Jose, everybody, all right? Jose is in charge of our spiritual personal trainer program. And what this is, is uh, if you've received Jesus today or came back to Jesus, we have a 30-day program we have where uh, we'll, we will hook you up with somebody else from church that will, for the next 30 days, they will be a personal trainer to you spiritually. They're going to text you Bible verses and a devotion every day. They're going to pray with you. If you have questions, they'll try to answer them. If they, you know, if they're having trouble, we'll, we'll get the answer to you the best we can. But they're going to take 30 days to mentor you so you can get on the right track with the Lord. We're not just going to tell you to say a prayer and then tell you good luck. Here's the thing. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up right now. Prayer team, come forward. And if you need prayer for anything today, come pray with them. If you're here and you received Jesus, you came back to Jesus, 
and you're willing to shoot your pride down and say, you know what, I claim Jesus and I don't care what anybody thinks. I need Jesus. And you want that spiritual personal trainer, come over to Jose right now. Right now. Go to Jose. He's going to get your information. I'm going to connect you with somebody else at church. And we're going to help you live your life for the Lord. Amen. All right. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship. Our prayer team is up here to pray with you if you need prayer. Jose's over there. I'm going to go get ready for baptism. So I'm not going to be down here. All right. But if you need prayer, come on up. And especially if you're willing to fully submit to the Lord, go see Jose. All right. A few more minutes. We're going to do baptisms. Please stick around. Don't leave. Stick around. Amen. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne in endless glory, to a cradle in the dirt And praise the Father And praise the Son And praise the Spirit The three in one God of Church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the 
truth of old shall not kneel, shall not fail. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. The stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who had come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, and the Spirit lit the flame. This gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Spirit, three in one. And God. 
Okay, very good. All right, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, you be seated this morning. I know we're getting the kids situated over there. 
But thank you for sticking around for our uh, baptism service today. This is definitely one of our most exciting uh, moments that we can celebrate together as a church family. And I know some get to watch online too, so we're grateful for that. But uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with our baptism service. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So we're, um, my dad's going to help me with the first couple. Then we're going to switch out with uh, Brother Robert, our head usher. But uh, the first one my dad's helping me with because it's going to be uh, my son, Samuel. So let's go ahead and have Sammy come on up. Let everybody see you. There he is. <laughs> All right. So, Sam, how old are you? Seven. Seven years old. All right. Very good. Well, Sam, let me ask you a couple of questions here. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay. Hold your nose. Okay. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Next coming up is Alex Church, and a lot of you guys know him. He was baptized as a youngster, but he's going to get baptized again as an adult. And uh, he asked my dad to do this one with me also because uh, he's like a son. <laughs> All right, Alex, the burrito bro. Listen, hey, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Oh, yeah. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Sure do. Okay, stand up here as close as you can. Then upon the confession of your faith... In Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's the first time I've choke slammed somebody getting baptized. It felt right. No, I didn't really choke slam them. All right, next we're going to have uh, Adrian Church. Alex's little boy. Come on down, Adrian. This is Robert. This is not Adrian. Okay. All right, Adrian. Hey, buddy. All right, come on. Let everybody get a good shot of you. All right, Adrian, how old are you? Seven. We got another seven-year-old today. All right, Adrian, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, hold your nose. Hold your nose. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. All right. Next up we have Vincent Martinez. Alex is one of his other boys here. We're trying to keep the families paired up as much as we can with during all this. All right. Awesome to see these young guys giving their lives to Jesus at a good age. Amen. All right. Vincent, how old are you? Eight. Eight years old. All right. And so, Vincent, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. All right. Hold your nose. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. 
Next up, I believe we have one of our soldiers, Chris Chi Ellipson. Amen. Love this guy serving our nation and serving our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Chris, all right, brother. So, how old are you? I'm kidding. You don't have to answer. Uh, 33. <laughs> okay, he's 33. That's awesome. So, Chris, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, I'm going to have you face that way. Turn around. Okay. Close, closer, closer. Just a little bit. All right. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. All right. And next we have Chris and Melissa's little girl, little Leilani. All right. We love Leilani. Yay. <laughs> All right, let's make sure they can get a picture of you there. All right, this is Leilani, everybody. <laughs> okay. Hey, Leilani, how old are you? Seven. Another seven-year-old. All right. This is our day for sevens. Okay. So, Leilani, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay. Well, hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> All right. All right. Next up, we have Michelle. All right, Michelle. So if any of her family wants to come up and take pictures up close, you can. If any of her, again, any of you guys, if, if, if it's your family member or friend up here, you're allowed to come up and take a picture, I believe. Unless, yeah, come on up on the platform if you want to. Just watch your step for all the equipment. All right. Oh, that's not too bad, huh? <laughs> all right. Very good. All right. So this is Michelle, one of our great ladies here at church. We love having her with us. So Michelle, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that He's God's Son and that He died and rose again? Okay, then I'll have you step way up here. Very good, all right. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. All right. Next up, we have Juliet, everybody. Juliet, come on down. Yay. All right, so Juliet, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, I'm going to have you stand way up here. Okay, a little bit more. There you go. Then upon the confession, oh, she's getting a picture. <laughs> all right, very good. Very, all right, here we go. I'm going to have you head straight that way. Okay, there we go. Then upon the confession of your faith, in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Okay. Is Ivan going to go? Okay, all right, very good. Next up, we've got Von Shea, right? Yeah. All right. Very good. All right, everybody, let's hear from my brother right here. Come on. Amen. All right, I'm excited, man. So, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. 
Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Amen. This is a big moment for you, brother. All right. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Let's see who wants a picture. Do you want a picture? Oh, oh she's gone. That's <laughs> okay. Very good. Awesome. Next up, we have Jaden. Let's hear it for Jaden, everybody. Come on down. All right. I'll give a minute for the family and friends to get up here. <laughs> All right. So, Jaden, you're still in school, so it's okay if I ask how old you are. How old are you, Jaden? She's 15 years old today, everybody, getting, making her stand for Jesus. That's awesome to hear with teenagers. So, Jaden, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, then I'm going to baptize you. You step forward right here. Upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right, very good. Next up, we have Valerie, everybody. So we'll let her family come on up. Valerie, very good. Yeah. And then her sister is after us. So. <laughs> All right, Valerie. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, step right over here. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, all right. Very good. All right. Next we have Angelica, her sister. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Angelica, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay. I'm going to have you stand up here. Upon the confession of your faith, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> awesome. Next up, we got their brother, Stephen. All right. Doing a whole bunch of the family today. Stephen, come on, my man. Awesome. Very good. All right, Stephen. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, step up right here. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> All right. Very all right. And next we got another part of the family, Kaylee, coming in. So come on down, Kaylee. Nice shirt. Look at this. Representing the church. <laughs> a church merch. Come on. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. Hey, Kaylee, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, step forward here. Upon the confession of your okay. faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right. Next up is Riley. 
All right, so let Riley's family come on up. Very good. Come on, buddy. Known this guy for a long time. Yeah. All right, Riley. I'm excited for this day, man. So, Riley, how old are you? We got a 10-year-old on our hands here. That's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So, Riley, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay. Step forward right here. Okay, face that way. There you go. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There you go. <laughs> Next we have Jimena. All right, Jimena. Oh, okay. Any of her friends or family that want to come on up and get some pictures? Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah, it's not too bad. All right. Love seeing all these guys getting baptized today. This is a great young lady here. I'm glad that she's part of our church family now. And so, Jimena, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here, okay? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay. Have you stepped forward just a little bit right there? Hold your nose. Hold your nose. And upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. All right. Awesome, awesome. Now we have Ray Lynn Church. So Ray Lynn's family can come on up. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Known this little lady her whole life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll let mommy get up here. So, Raylin, how old are you? Got another eight-year-old today. Awesome. All right. Raylin, let me ask you a couple of questions here, okay? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay. Very good. Stand right here. Okay. Upon the confession of your faith, in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. All right. There we go. Next up we have Valeria. So any of her family that wants to come up? Friends and family? Very good. And the baby is with us for the first time today, so we're all excited about that. Yeah. Very good. So we're excited for this. Uh, this little lady right here, this little girl, uh, she was born in, was it April, maybe? June. June? Okay, absolutely. <laughs> she was born in June, and the Lord's just done some wonderful miracles in her life, health-wise. And so I won't go into all that, but today's her first day getting to be at church with us. So we're super excited about that. Amen. All right. So we're going to ask you a couple of questions today. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yeah. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay, I'm going to have you face that way right there. Very good. Go ahead and hold your nose. Okay, upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Okay, very good, everybody. Well, that's all the baptisms this morning. We've got uh, another one or two tonight that we're going to do at the PM service. So 
Thank you, everybody, for sticking around and celebrating and rejoicing with brand new family members in the body of Christ. Uh, we got service tonight at 6 o'clock, and uh, we want to see everybody there. Pastor's teaching on healing some more. And again, we got some more baptisms tonight, so uh, come back and celebrate for that. And all the families can take some pictures together over there. I'm going to have Pastor Katie close out the service and do the Barstow Faith Confession. Thank you, everybody. Love you. Jam kids, hey, y'all did so good. You did so good. Very, very good. Now, stick with me one more minute, okay? We're going to pray, and then your parents are going to come here to get you, so don't run. Okay, just wait one minute. You stay seated and stick with me? Okay. Would you stand with me? I will agree in prayer. Father, thank you so very much. For these amazing lives, Lord, that are dedicated to you. Thank you for those hearts that you reach today and change their eternity. Lord, I ask that as we go our separate ways today, that you'd keep us safe and protected. That we would continue to take you seriously in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ready to agree with me over Barstow? Ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barso is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.